Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording at the beginning of March. March 2nd, not 1st. Ash Wednesday, beginning of March Madness. And yeah, uh, Madness, I guess, is upon us. But let's talk about our games to conclude February. What's your thoughts after a long road trip? Uh... Six games? It was six games. Uh, six games over 12 days. Correct. And we went five and one. And I was pretty mad about the one we lost, but putting that into perspective, that's a, that's a, that's a good run. Um, that's like an NBA schedule right there that they played and coming out with five dubs is, is pretty damn good. Uh, Like again, looking back at it, I was pretty, pretty uh, bummed by that Oregon loss, but it is, it is a pretty, pretty uh, big accomplishment for any team, let alone our team. Who's been just beat up and injured and, you know, suffering from COVID. (laughs) half this season. So I, I think it was a successful trip. Um, but looking back at last Thursday, we can start with that game. Um, it was a frustrating game. Um, and I think we lost that largely due to Mick Cronin's uh, rotations. That is what I will squarely put um, the blame on. Yeah, I don't know how much I want to labor <clears throat> how bad uh Oregon was because let's go back to Arizona State and you know in early in early February uh and at Arizona State was a tough game and we saw probably Mick's worst coach game in terms of rotations and we also went on a run shortly after so we're hoping that rotations were were solved um but uh I mean, we didn't go on a run after we lost to SC, but shortly after the SC, we went on a run, and we were hoping rotations were were trending towards, obviously, a defensive leaning lineup that would get the meaning, get the get the minutes. But Oregon has shown us that there is some concern uh, with the leashes. Uh, when I say leash, I mean like dog leash um, or uh, figurative leash that we uh, Cronin has. <laughs> Uncertain players, you know, and I think there is a bit of trust that Cronin is continuing to gain with players because obviously it feels like when Miles messes up or makes one error, he's out while he lets Riley play through it. And that's something we don't agree with because, as you've seen in the Oregon game, they happened to go on a run, and a lot of their points came from down low. Their big men tore us up. They had the blueprint. That was obviously set by Arizona. Um, earlier in the month, and they didn't have to rely on Jacob Young from having a great game. They went all to their bigs, and it wasn't even their star big, which was Dante. Uh, It was their guys off the bench, which also speaks to something, but that's the concern. I mean, you've seen, I mean, in person, the effect of, uh, of Clark when he's in the game, but we've also seen the effect of, of Clark and Miles when they're both in the game. So, yeah, Oregon was another blip and the Mick rotation narrative, you know, or his, his whole evolution with how he's going to set this up for March. But, you know, it, it's another thing, I think you mentioned this earlier, was that 
Ju Zhang in an organs game, there's one thing. Ju Zhang went out, what, in the fourth minute? Very early. He went out really early, yeah. And so with that, we know there's a little bit of guesswork in terms of that, but that's, and I think you've also said this before, that's part of Mick's job is to be ready for a starter and a key starter to go out. Uh, and it seemed like we just weren't able to adjust on the fly and we paid for it. Uh we weren't, and and that's a fair point. I think the adjusting on the fly piece of that is is difficult. But again, you know, a a, a good coach, and I'm not saying Mick isn't a good coach. I, I actually think he's a very good coach. Should be able to, you know, figure that out a little bit more. But I, I think at this point, it's it's obvious that Miles and Clark bring the defensive presence that you know Cronin himself says he wants to bring. There's there's a level of athleticism, a level of toughness, a level of length um, that leads to you know better defense, better rebounding, and as a result, better offense. I think largely with those guys on the floor, um, and and the failure to really recognize that against Oregon, I think was was frustrating um, to see, especially since I think at this point of the season we can all say. Cody Riley is not the player that he was last year. Um, he no longer has that automatic like elbow jumper. He is not rebounding the ball at all. He's you know is very spotty down low right now offensively, and his defense has has not been great. Um, so I, I understand you know Mick trying to get him reps, trying to get him going, but. I think we need to just come to terms with Riley as, as a guy that should be coming off the bench, and, and hopefully he can give us a spark from there. But other than that, I think I think it should, the roles really should be reversed, and Miles should be the, the guy getting the bulk of the minutes at, at the, the center spot. Um, and I, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll jump around between the three games, the last three games. But Washington, I'm going to go to that game, which we won. <clears throat> and I think a big part of it was... Uh, that Miles uh, was able to clog up the middle to start the second half. And <clears throat> with Riley, it was interesting in the first half. I remember distinctly him missing a jumper. And I remember him looking over, and there was this kind of like signal to just, don't worry, right? And he, then he was able to hit the jumper. Now, for the game, he went 2-8. and eight. He didn't really – he didn't have a great percentage. But I think most of those misses were just – what happens with him, even when he tries, he has no touch around the rim. There's something that's up with Riley, and we can't afford to miss out on that. Where I think, you know, Riley has this instinct that has worked in the past where he'll get the, if he gets the offensive rebound, he's going to try to put it back up. And it's worked. Uh, it's not working right now. It hasn't worked maybe since he's been back in January. Where Miles, when he gets the offensive rebound, he, he throws it out to Singleton. He throws it out to Jules. He throws it out. And, uh, and I think, you know... And, and where we don't usually traditionally see the ball going out and we like to play down low or, or eventually get a post presence, Miles' uh, play ends up in a net positive. Uh, and I think that was a big part for us stifling uh, Washington. And, I mean, another big part was Hawkes, which we'll get into his old man game uh, later um, after we talk about Oregon State in a bit. But it, it just speaks to what you said. Like, it... Miles is just such a net positive, and, and Riley, unfortunately, he stands in the middle. He puts his hands up, but he doesn't get enough lift 
to to actually affect the shot of these athletic guards that most of these schools have. Um, and 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 Washington is a school that while they're not performing well as a team, they still have Terrell Brown and Bay, and they have other guys who just went up and it was an auto it was an auto bucket for these guys, and we clearly saw that. So that doesn't happen when Miles is down low. Um, and, and that has to do obviously with his length, but his footwork and understanding how to alter a shot. And, you know, while it's been an adjustment for him to, to get used to Cronin's, uh, program, we also have seen what he's done in the big 10 last year. Um, you know, as a, as a all pack, I mean, all pack, but all big 10 defender. So I think there's something there and I think there just has to be a longer leash with him. Um, in addition to Clark. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, you mentioned the Oregon State game. I mean, both those guys were keys, again, to, to winning that game early on. Like, the, the defense with them on the floor is just so much better. And, you know, Oregon State is not a good team, but the defense completely stifled them for large parts of that game. And they just, they could not get a bucket in that second half. And our offense went supernova and just, you know, we, we couldn't miss. And it was insane to watch, but also it was also, I think we could have probably, and this is just nitpicking at this point, but I was mad they only won by 39. And if we had more miles minutes, we would have won by a 40 easy in the second half um but again it just goes to show that those two guys have huge impacts on on the game and i just i hope cronin is is uh like you said willing to give them a a longer leash now Um, were we up by 39 or 40 at any point i think we were up by like 41 uh was a, I think was we a might have at one point. We were like hovering around that like high thirties yeah. for most of that second half. I was more um, upset we didn't hit a hundred points, but um, I mean, I guess I wasn't upset. <laughs> I was fine with it. But putting up a hundred points in a road, I mean, I guess USC just throttled. I mean, got throttled. What was that ninety-one points Arizona put up? Yeah. So they slowed down, but they're on pace for a, a make what 102 but we exploded in the second half and i i mean a lot of that was the catalyst was tiger um just went on a crazy run and he had one of his most efficient games when it came to scoring on top of his usual assist but um yeah that was a fun game to bounce back i think that game came perfectly uh between the two teams that we had to play and obviously the other one being a reschedule um yeah, I think we needed that psychologically, too, just to have a game where, you know, we play good enough defense to, to stop a team. You know, we can talk about how inept of an offense Oregon State is, but played good enough defense to stop them for large parts of that game. And, you know, finally saw the ball go through the bucket a little bit more. I think, um, you know, a hot shooting night was, was good to see as a bounce back game. And then the second half or the first half of the Washington game, moving to that game now was the complete opposite. Like we could not make a bucket. We could not, we were not playing good defense. It was, it was truly, truly painful basketball, but second half, we figured it out again and we let our, our defense kind of lead to the offense 
a large part of that was Clark and Miles, as you mentioned. But um, the other big piece to that puzzle was Jaime Jaquez, just as you mentioned earlier, his old man game was just on an elite level. The dude was insane. Yeah, I, I think every basketball dad over uh, maybe 35 for some people, for, but over 40 for most people should watch that game if they want to learn how to beat their teenage son um, in the backyard. Because he literally, it was bully ball. It was all mental, and he, was, he just completely uh, he, he dismantled the whole every Washington defender. I think you said that you mentioned it earlier, the fact that they just didn't seem to double him, which would have probably had an effect uh, to a certain degree. But it, it was it was pretty cool to they see. They didn't. They didn't double him at all. Which is, you know, it's like it's it's pretty asinine, like how these coaches just do not adjust. Like you just can't believe it. I mean, the zone in itself, like we. We 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 having a moment where we had to adjust to it. I think they pulled it out what in the end of the first half, um, and it, 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 it they're just and then we adjust and they doesn't seem to be a counter. But Hakez made him pay for it, and I think he went what eleven for seventeen, and you know he hit that one three, but most of the buckets were near the basket, and it all was mental. He even had the pump fake. Uh, bait foul that you know that's been banned in the NBA but still remains in college so it was all to that point everything was sneaky clever and 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 even I mean what do you think I think it was kind of retaliation the elbow that Matthews hit Singleton with <laughs> against just oh the yeah I mean it's pretty uh we had uh, the officiating in this game was absolutely insane like some of the dumbest officiating I've ever seen. Like there was the the weird flagrant that they called on Riley for go, like reaching for a ball that they called like two possessions later. That was a you know could have been you know if we maximize the points like an eight point swing, right? Mm-hmm. You you hit both free or four free throws that they got because they called a common foul after that as well. So you get four free throws, and then if you boneheadedly foul a guy on a three-point shot like that goes in, that's another four points. That's eight points. They could have swung the whole game. Luckily, they only made three foul shots, and, and nothing happened, and they missed the shot once they got the ball back. But there was that, and then, yeah, it, it took them what seemed like an eternity to figure out whether or not the foul on David Singleton or against David Singleton was a um, flagrant even though you watch the replay he obviously just like and you know I I don't know if it was retaliation or not it was definitely looked dirty dude just elbowed him straight in the throat like I don't know how much more obvious you can get there to call that a flagrant regardless of intent but we ended up waiting, like, I don't know, it felt like 25 minutes of just them trying to review this stupid shot, um, or the foul. The The refereeing was insane, and it was insanely stupid. Yeah, we're, I mean, at the end of the season, I know we keep talking about, you know, episodes that we want to have, we have an NIL episode, but we got to have a Pac-12 ref episode, uh, and if we really want to vent, that's going to be 
a, a three-hour series because it's I just mean, been. We could either atrocious. make it three hours or make it. Th- yeah, we can make it three hours and vent or just make it 30 seconds because it's literally, there's nothing more to be said besides the Pac-12 reps fucking suck. Yeah, did you watch, this is a little bit different, but did you watch the end of the Clippers-Lakers game? Like I did, like in which how, was another disaster. <laughs> that, and I love the comments online where it was like, a, they, these refs are doing the best Pac-12 impression. Uh, I saw that sneak through. It's just, it, it's so bad and something we need to fix, but... You know, somehow UCLA, I mean, Hawkes at least was able to use it to their benefit uh, this time around. Um, so, I, Yeah, I was going to say it was nice to see Hawkes draw fouls. Because um, I think there's, there's a lot of times you watch him, and he, he's always had that old man element to his game where he, he does generate a lot of contact, and he often finishes because he's just stronger than most guys. But... He generates contact and draws a lot of fouls that don't get called. Um, that in a lot of other leagues, in, in a lot of other in games in the Pac-12, or other players will get called on. Um, so it was nice to see that flip a little bit in his favor. Um, and, and I hope that this is a sign of Hakez either getting healthier, which hopefully is the case, um, or just him figuring out how to play with, you know, hurt ankles and that pain and managing that and, you know, what he can be effective doing and what he can't be effective doing. Um, and it looked like he was less hampered overall, but I, I think he's just, it's probably a little bit of both of those factors and him putting it together. Um, we'll see how he does against a legit, like, um, paint protector if he can do that and whether or not other teams will go double him in which case he needs to obviously pass out of it but i i i hope this is a sign of things of to come for him to start putting it together um and especially going into into the postseason now i think to that point hawkes being the warrior he is is the alpha one of the alphas on the team and for him to have a big game i think signals for the rest of the team uh, that we're going to be okay. Because I think that that did drop the team's morale when Hawkes went down. We know he does everything. He's kind of like that Jimmy Butler um, role that Butler plays for the Heat and and then the college version. So I think I'm hoping that there's some good juju that continues to come from that because we got a tough game coming up against SC. Um, and they're coming to Pauly. And Zed will be attending, obviously, as he attends 90% of our home games. But... You know, outside of everything, you know, outside of Pauly and, and, and the narratives to it, what are you expecting from this game on the court? Uh, um, high energy, obviously. I think it's a sold-out crowd. It's going to be packed and wild, Pauly, which it should be every game regardless of the opponent. But, you know, we're LA, LA fans and UCLA alum are, are what they are. Um, but I think this is one of those games. It's a marquee type event, and we'll, we're gonna we're gonna have a big crowd in there, and it's gonna be r- loud and raucous. And I know the students will show up for it, so there's that's gonna be a factor. Uh, I I think it's it's gonna be a a, a fight, man. It, all these games between these two teams over the last several years have been fights. Like no nobody's really. Like, we've never gotten blown out, and a lot of these losses have been last-second losses or losses in the last minute. And 
I expect this to go down to the wire as well. Um, but I, I do think this is a situation where, and, and based on our players' comments, right, you talk, look at what Singleton and what Jaime Jaquez were saying um, after the Washington game. They know this is like a, in many ways, a make or break game, you know, for bragging rights, for, you know, the pride, for Mick Cronin's kind of, um, not, I don't want to say outlook, but perception amongst a lot of fans and um, alum, but also even more importantly than some of that stuff for like seeding for the tournament. Um, if you look at where we're sitting, you know, the stats and rankings for Ken Palm and the net suggest we should be around a three, but the, you know, bracketologist people seem to have us in a four to five range. I don't know what the discrepancy or difference there is, but we'll see what kind of where that plays out. But regardless, I think if we... To secure a four and even toe up to ensure we get into that three seed range, we need to win this game and we need to make a deep run into the uh, Pac-12 tournament. Um, so this is a this is an incredibly important game for the that reason. Also for getting at least second place in um, the Pac-12 over them is also you know something to. Now, maybe not the most important thing, but it would also be nice to do. So I, I think it's going to be a, a fight. I think our guys are going to be ready for it. But I think their guys are going to be ready for it too, especially after they got shellacked last night by Arizona. Um, that's what I'm expecting. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be an easy win. I think there's a lot of fans out there that are like, oh my God, these these guys just got destroyed by Arizona. They're going to come in limping. But I think that arguably makes them a a more dangerous team, especially since they've already beaten us. So I have two things. If we wear these new Jordan PEs on Saturday, <laughs> we are winning by 30 points. We're blowing them out by more than Arizona said. Uh, did last Those were only given to the women's team right now, though, for the uh, Pac-12 tournament. So it sounds like it's going to be a battle then. Um, I'm just looking at these things, and they're sweet as we record. Uh, you they are nice. They, you know, I... Yeah, I think there's a few factors with this game I'm going to be watching. Is Number one, the containment of Boogie, because I'm going to see him drive, and he's a sneaky one as we put our attention to Ethan, Ethan Peterson. I don't think Peterson's going to have the game he usually has. Uh, Drew? Uh, yeah. And the reason being is I think he's been scouted now in terms of, like, there's certain things he does uh, that I think Clark is going to keep an eye on because he's a pretty smart guy. Um, and I think, it, you know, we will take advantage of that. But with that said, you know, I think the biggest factor is how do we not allow them to get 10 blocks on us, right? And with Morgan down low, Isaiah Mobley is not really that much of a factor to me down low, but more so Joshua Morgan. If he gets any type of control down low, it's gonna it's, it's gonna affect us because I don't know if we can rely on jump shooters for this jump shooting solely for this game. I think we're gonna have to go out there bigs um, before we get any type of momentum. So, yeah, I mean, it's the first game in Pauly since what I think it was March 2020 um, with a crowd, and so SC hasn't played us 
uh, there while they they're on a six game winning streak. I think the last one they won in Pauly was like what was it number? Was that their third game on the winning streak, or was it their second game? I can't remember. I try not to remember. Yeah, unfortunate. So hopefully we can shed this. I'm I'm hoping for a big win, one that sends a statement uh, going into the tourney because it would be nice to be a two seed. It doesn't really matter between the two and the third who's playing who, but actually just has implications on uh on what time we're playing in Vegas on that Thursday. So that will be uh you know obviously big to see and uh, yeah it's, it's always fun to end the season with Essie uh coming to Pauly so let's make the most of it and let's end on a strong note yeah it um yeah the, the you know pack 12 seating is is whatever but i think it it adds another good quad one win to our to our resume um to, to end the the regular season going into the tournament, I I think you're right. I think it, it, we we can't necessarily rely on our jump shooting, but it would be nice to have a guy like Jules Bernard, you know, really break out of a slump. I think he's had a couple of good solid games, but this would be a nice time to like actually show he can start hitting threes at a consistent clip again. Um, this would be a, a great game for Johnny to come back, which I think he will. He's basically, he's going to have had over a week of rest um, for his ankle injury. So I, I'm, you know, 99% sure he'll be back. Um, and again, we're going to, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but having Miles out there over Cody Riley and having a big dosage of Clark is going to be key. For this this win, um, whether Clark is on Drew Peterson um, or whether Clark is on Boogie Ellis, we're going to need him in there to be smothering kind of the hot hand on the perimeter and, and making sure that we're not letting those guys get too hot um, and go off against us. Um, and I, I, I do think Miles Johnson's size and strength um is going to bother a guy like Isaiah Mobley. Isaiah Mobley is very skilled and athletic, but I I don't think he's as strong and um, as strong and big as as Miles. And I think that's truly where he can have an advantage. He he just he can't get pushed around down there, um, and I don't think he will. So it's it's a it's going to be a big one. It's going to be exciting. I will not predict anything. I refuse. I've been hurt by this before. I'm I'm going with a dub. Dub, you heard it, heard it here first. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, not doing it. I was confident we would win last game. I'm going with a dub. So, anyways, uh, speaking of, I think what in about an hour. So this recording probably won't be out. The girls uh, play SC in the Pac-12 tourney. Yep, as a higher seed. As a higher seed, number seven versus number 10. And it's pretty nice to see how, you know, I mean, number one, Charisma Osborne has been a hell of a player. But it's been nice to see over the past two games, at least we got two key wins and on the road at that uh, against one against the Arizona team that's kind of slumping due to, you know, injuries and, and just chemistry on the court issues. But uh, also, I mean, like Arizona State's no slouch either. So 
um, it was nice to do that. Charisma seems like she's getting in a groove, and it's it's exciting to see where this team is heading. And I mean, clearly, we hope Charisma. She's a junior, and we hope she can stay one more season because I think we're due for a big season. It'll be nice to see her stick around for it uh, because she, um, she is one of those players. I think you've also said this is that you know who's kind of build been a building block for the program. So. Uh, it, 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 the girls are in a good place, and hopefully they can get a quick run um, before next season. Yeah, and I I, I don't know where the bracketologists kind of have them sitting, but you know, a deep run and winning a Pac-12 tournament, I think, would probably would have them sneak in at the last last second, which would be which would be awesome. So we'll see what happens there. Um, rooting for them tonight, though, to get that W. Go girls, or go ladies. I mean, actually, go tro- Bruins. I almost said Trojans. <laughs> oh, Zed, my God. Zed was about to murder me at this moment in the recording. But uh, but moving over to Wasserman. Big news since the last time we've recorded. And a very big name in hiring. One that uh, is an alum. One of our... Our bigger names in the coaching circles of alum has has come home. I mean, I think you said it best. The, the prodigal son. The prodigal son has returned. Yeah, he's back. Uh, Ken Norton Jr. Very strange situation, and it's not because we didn't want Ken Norton back, but he is coming back, a former DC of NFL um, team that has wanted. A Super Bowl and had multiple appearances um, is coming back to be our linebacker coach. That was news I did not expect. I, I I'm confused. <laughs> I don't I, this. I so I'll just start with this. I'm happy to have him back. It's nice to get the dude back. Um, in the right colors on the right side of of town um i know he created some bad blood when he moved over to um you can say to the uh to <laughs> the other school um and I know he he was has been accused of doing some negative recruiting and whatnot. But at the end of the day, he's a Bruin. Uh, obviously, he you know has won at the highest levels with Super Bowls. Has been a coach for a very long time, and a very respected coach too. Like this is a guy who I think people within college and the NFL do actually respect a lot. Um, like he's not just some some bum right like he's a he's a guy who's actually you know well respected he was known as a very good recruiter when he was in college and is known as a as a very good defensive mind um and will bring some of that energy to our our staff that's all awesome like i i'm all on board with that i think it's a it's a good hire what i don't understand is why the hell is he not the defensive coordinator I know that. I mean, there was fans who were uh, were actually campaigning for us to go for him because there was rumors that he was going to leave Seattle um, before McGovern's hired. So, 
I, it, you know, you wonder if it's a timing thing. If, if, if Norton came calling and he was like, you know what? I just didn't land the job. Uh, other theory that I love that's went out. That's out there is that Ken Norton just, you know, pretty much planning himself to, to be the head coach in waiting uh, once Chip Kelly leaves, whether it's 2022 or 2023. Um, but it is, it's very strange. You know, you, you have someone, our DC, who's, who's worked with Kelly. There's other proposition where Kelly's never worked with Norton and he has with McGovern. So, I, I mean, I don't know in terms of Kelly's, uh, he he seems to. I mean, I hope he had a hands-off approach for how horrid our defense was in the past. But uh, I I'm not sure how involved he is with defense because if he is, and that's a bigger issue as well. Um, outside of signing off on what Asnero did and and Norwood in the mix, but you know it 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 is it's one of those things. It you wonder if it's timing. You wonder if there's a bigger play. Uh, and you wonder if it has to do with just relationships, um, which it seems more so but the the latter or the last one to be. Uh, Kelly has a relationship with McGovern, so that's his guy. And we know Kelly to be loyal to a fault. Um, and, you know, it, well, with that said, welcome Norton, and hopefully he can coach up these guys uh, because our linebackers has been a sore spot in our defense, and we know that anchors, along with the defensive line, um, but with the transition of the defensive line now going for going towards Nansen, I'm curious to see how um, – actually, not Nansen. Who am I thinking of? Drevno. I'm thinking of the other Drevno? one. Yeah, Drevno, who's taking over a defensive line. Uh, I, I am, No, Drevno took over the OL. See, I'm flipping it. So going back uh, – was it – is it Nansen? <laughs> it's one of the – No, it's uh, the new guy. Yeah, the new guy. You got me. So, whose name I can't remember. So, yeah, we're really good at this, obviously. But um, <laughs> uh, what's it called? So I, uh. w- we'll see what this happens. You know, I guess Norwood is the only surviving coach from the, right? It's from the past uh, coaching personnel. Pelham's now gone. I'll miss his suits. I know Zed wasn't really big on him. I mean, I didn't even know where he I, – I, he pretty much seemed absent outside of his suits in the recruiting trail. Yeah, because that dude was at Goodwill buying suits from 1980 still. No, those suits were – they were – man, that is premier silk, cotton, something that he's gotten straight from Chicago. He looked like he was one of the untouchables, but the guy's retired, and he's going on his you know, set sales. He's going on the sunset. Him him and Azanero are gonna go have a mojito someplace and and just laugh at how they stole money from our school and how Chip Kelly just transitioned into retirement because that's what our program has become. Um so very confusing times and and I and I was gonna say NIL, but that's confusing as well. But in UCLA football. But what's new? Here we are. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think it's a, again, good hire. Don't know how it makes sense with the whole makeup of the current defensive staff. I, um, uh, If anything, I hope KNJ uh, is going to be a good recruiter and bring some talent in, but I don't know. Uh, you know, TBD. I, I frankly just, I don't care about this yet. <laughs> It's it's March. Uh, March Madness is 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 right around the corner, and uh, football is a is a far, f- 
far, far destination. Um, and it's hard to hard to get excited about it right now, um, especially with whatever the hell's going on over there. But his name's Chad uh, Haha. Um our coach, he's a former coach of UNLV, and I'm going to someday be able to pronounce that correctly because his last name's obviously Polynesian. But yeah, that's who I was thinking. I, I do like the, uh, the Polynesian connection that we're building um, with him and Mello from Washington. Um, that's, uh, that's a good, that's a good uh, recruiting pipeline to, to, to build. So hopefully that, that will bring some, some good, good talent in, but but to your point, yeah, we got we'll, other sports. We'll UCLA sports are are going. Uh, basketball, aside from basketball, we have. Uh, I guess we can go to the green, the green pastures in the fields. How's baseball doing? Uh, baseball bounced back this last um, week. Uh, they had a three game series against UC Riverside, swept them. Um, they beat number twenty two. Long Beach State last night, um, and their starting pitching has been phenomenal. Um, if you haven't looked up this kid um, named Thatcher Hurd, he's a true freshman who over two starts so far this season has thrown 23 um, strikeouts, which is just absolutely insane. He, he had 11 in his first start in 12 last night. Um, that 11 being the most strikeouts for a starting pitcher, a freshman starting pitcher under um, John Savage, which is obviously you're uh, in pretty high company there when you're you're pitching, starting that hot for John Savage, who's pitched or coached a lot of very, 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 very good pitchers. Um, so p- starting pitching has been incredibly good. Um we just need to put together a little bit more offense and, you know, let the team gel again. They're, it's a very, very young team. Um, lost a lot of players, actually the most players in the country to the MLB draft last season. So we're replacing a lot, but the, the talent is there. We had the number one class come in um, from high school uh, last season and the talent's there. It's just a matter of trying, starting to put it together, but Having starting pitching this good um, already is, is obviously a very good start. So um, excited to see where, where the team kind of builds up from here. And we play SC next week. So yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Big game. And then on the other side, softball with the bigger ball is uh, they fell to five after losing to Florida State, which was probably expected. And I think Florida State was five, right? I think they're ranked. So they just pretty much went back to that slot. And then uh, took care of business against some southern teams, some from the SEC and, and then Baylor. They they beat Tennessee pretty convincingly. Uh, Baylor as well. And then, you know, took care of Missouri. So the, the softball team looks good. Highlights. They're having fun. I mean, it's it's just it's just that. Like, they have a tough schedule to start out the season, but they'll get in a stride. And... I'm really excited about them and how they can improve. Their pitching seems really good. It just seems a matter of, uh, obviously, filling in Garcia's gap. Um, but the talent's there, and we've spoke about it in the last episodes, and we'll just continue to monitor and, and root those, those fabulous women on. 
Because they're, I mean, I would say softball is a premier program. Um, oh, absolutely. Of, of UCLA. So uh, in terms of the unfilled stuff and, 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 and non-water uh, sports, but they've been consistently, they've been to Alabama or the, I guess I was going to say Ohio State. They've been a blue blood of, of college, of college ba- uh, softball for a while now. And oh, easily. I mean, they have the most championships. They're consistently competing. Um, the talents there, the, they're exciting and fun to watch. And they, you know, continue to, to bring the, the heat every game. So, yeah, always, always rooting for them. And um, other sports. So, I guess tennis, the men's loss to SC, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, we've mentioned before the women's took care of SC. So, our crosstown rivalry were split. We're hoping that doesn't uh, happen with basketball, but we won't jinx our team. And then water polo, our women's water polo team, they did lose to Stanford, who was ranked number three in a tough match, and that was following a big win against a number five Hawaii. So it was a battle, but obviously they have a tough schedule as well. Um, and as we know with the California teams, it's a, it's a toss up for any of these matches that they have. Uh, but water polo, I'm sure they're fine. And, uh, you know, with, they'll be able to get a chance for revenge against Stanford. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Um, beach volleyball just won, um, a big tournament, the Duke Kuno Pahu, uh, classic or invitational um apologies if i butchered that name um but just just won that the rank number two and they play sc this week as well it's a big beat sc week um so hopefully they can bring the trojans down um they'll be playing at home i believe tomorrow oh and you know gymnastics they put up 197 and point one two five against Washington, so things seem to be trending upward with them after a pretty tumultuous season that they've had. Um, and then I think a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, as we expect. And I mean, Che Campbell got her. Is that's her first ten, right? That she got. Yeah. On the floor? It, I believe it was. And, I mean, Jordan Childs, I feel like, gets a 10 every meet. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's got Lizzo shouting her out. So, I mean, that team. It's amazing the cult following that that team has, even through all of this. Uh, the fact that you have Amanda Sales reporting on, on the insides and giving accounts. <laughs> a Hollywood actress who's on a, a known show like it's just so random it, they just very confusing and weird <laughs> yeah but we'll take it as long as they they seem to pack poly they seem to be the most fun like uh you know gymnastics team in the country and you know we we as we've heard through the recruiting i mean the gymnastics circle like yeah ucla is fine in terms of of what's there we just obviously have an opinion on how their coach handled it and how we feel about the current coach, uh, and it's not positive. So the girls, I mean, we want them to obviously Yeah, do fire well, his ass. Kick his ass to a corner. He doesn't deserve it. But that's another conversation because maybe that's the end of the year. We'll, we'll start a campaign. But these girls are kicking ass right now, and I love it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a brand name now. Like, you associate 
some some uh, not only excellence but like some flashiness with that that brand and that program now um even if they're not winning at the highest levels they're still being recognized um and just they're so prominent all over the place you don't see other gymnastics programs um across the country get get promoted the way we do but yeah it it needs to be handled properly the the program itself and i I don't trust the current regime to do that so we'll see what happens but yeah it's uh unfortunate but you're you're right it does seem like the 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 actual athletes are turning it around a little bit on their end so good good to see that leave it up to me and zed to shade our coaches in some aspect we only only want the best so we got you players and athletes i mean it's not shade when you're directly saying the guy fucking sucks <laughs> true there's no shade here this is all on... you need to say his name chris waller fucking sucks i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no shade we we we're pretty explicit on in terms of how we feel <laughs> but there we go um he's on the hot seat for us and we should start a brewing source hot seat like once every month just kind of give an update on the temperature for certain coaches and and yeah <laughs> that, that would be awesome um but so there we are chip kelly's is just going to be permanently on like broil <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just, just completely, yeah. His name it would be copy and paste, like the same status. There won't have to be anything changed there. But there we are, UCLA sports. It's March. Um, I would say what we're halfway in spring. Uh, obviously, it's winter quarter for the students, but in terms of how sports are going and that schedule, um, I think with that we're gonna sign off. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? No, I think that's it. I think we, we covered the the uh, the good stuff. The good stuff. Well, let's hope we get some good stuff on Saturday. And with that, we're signing off. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. Fuck SC. Fuck SC.